So virtual wholesaling basically is you may live in one state or in live in one region and you're marketing, you're wholesaling, you're, you're reaching out to sellers in another state to try and find deals. Perfect. What's up, everybody? It's Jamel Gibbs, your family-oriented entrepreneur. Welcome to another podcast episode. This is the Business and Investing Podcast, where you learn all things business and investing related. So today, we're going to talk about something that I know that you guys are definitely interested in. Uh, this is something that I've been personally doing for years myself, but um, we're going to talk to someone else so you can hear it from someone else on how they're structuring their business in order to do a lot of deals, and that's virtual wholesaling. Okay, a lot of people want to know about virtual wholesaling. In fact, I had somebody contact me on YouTube, became a coaching student. She's all the way in, I think it's Iowa, and we just closed a deal. Well, we're actually closing a seller finance deal in Baltimore that we're wholesaling, right? So that's a virtual wholesale creative deal, right? But what we're going to talk about today is how you can get started step-by-step in virtual wholesaling and really be able to take your business to another level. If, if you're uh, focusing on local wholesaling right now, that's great. The concept is still the same. The difference is how you approach a virtual market. So we're going to talk about that in full detail with my man, Marcus Maloney. What's up, brother? What's up, Jamel, man? Thank you so much for having me here on the show, man. Thank you for the intro. Oh, man, it's a pleasure, brother. I appreciate you uh, taking the time out. I know you're busy, man. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? All right. So um, I'm here in the Phoenix, Arizona market and uh, been here for about 10 years, and, but I hail from Chicago, Illinois. So just to give you the kind of dichotomy between the two cities, man, I was, you know, in Chicago, basically all urban areas. And then I come out here to Phoenix, man, and it was complete change. Well, the reason why I came out here was I had a job opportunity lined up and got out here and that job opportunity was rescinded and pulled out from up under me. So I had my wife here, three kids and myself, man, and didn't have any, you know, income, real income coming in. I had some, had some uh, rental properties back home, but it was, it was enough for us to get by. So I had to find how to do things quickly to maneuver in this city so I can get my firm footing up under me. So started wholesaling, man. Awesome, man. So with, with that being said, did you start in Chicago or did you start in Phoenix? Man, I started here in Phoenix um, because, again, I had to, I had to find some quick way to make some, some quick cash. OK, so actually on my drive over from Phoenix, uh, from Chicago to Phoenix, I was listening to Bigger Pockets, kind of stumbled upon the podcast. You know, it was a 48 hour, uh, 24 hour drive. You know, so it was like I'm trying to find anything to listen to, you know, to keep myself up. Stumbled upon bigger pockets, man. And they was talking about wholesaling and talking about direct mail and all of this kind of stuff. It was all going over my head, but mm -hmm. the concept I kind of knew about, you know, because I had some rental properties and I was like, okay, well, maybe this is something that I can check out, you know, and kind of get into. And when I got here, um, again, I took that that turn. Had a couple of little odds and end jobs, you know, but the but my whole mind was just on, hey, you know what? I need to really get into real estate. That's that's my desire. 
that's your desire, man. So obviously, was this something that, you know, back home in Chicago, you know, were you thinking about real estate or did you start thinking about real estate on that drive? Like you said, no, I had I had some small rental properties back in Chicago. Um, So I had my feet wet a little bit. But again, the whole wholesale and I had no idea anything about it. So, I mean, I knew a little bit about real estate, but it was basically go to the bank, you know, try and get a loan, try and buy a property, you know, mm-hmm. 30, 40,000, fix it up, rent it out. You know, so that was, that was my education basically in real estate. Got you. And then wholesaling opened up the doors, hope open up your mindset to a completely new world of uh, real estate investing, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and I didn't know, and I always joke around with people. I always tell them, you know, here in Phoenix, I didn't know the difference between the East Valley, the West Valley, the North Valley, Scottsdale, none of that, man. So I'm I'm here basically dropped in the city with nothing. And I'm trying to figure it out, you know, gotcha. along the way, you know. So I, um, dude, I started with, if anybody know anything about First Premier, First Premier credit card, it's yep. a, uh, you know, very low, you got a low credit score. Or it's one of them credit cards that help you build your credit. I had like they charge you a high annual fee. <laughs> yup, yup, high annual fee, man. I had a two hundred dollar limit, and dude, I just used that, man, and I just went out like most people. I bought some envelopes, bought some uh, yellow notepad, just started writing letters, and got on uh, list source and bought a little list, and I started that way. I love it, man, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people want to get started in, in business and it's good to hear how, you know, I, I believe that it's good to hear other people's stories of how they got started to offer some encouragement to, to the people that's really looking to get their business off the ground. So you just made a sack. You told yourself, I'm going to sacrifice and get a first premiere card. That's definitely a sacrifice. Let me tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of that, you use the car to start a business, right? A lot of people yep. are not willing to do that. A lot of people, we were just talking right before we jumped on the line, right? A lot of people make excuses, man. And yep. um, unfortunately, uh, they point the fingers at everybody else except for themselves. For themselves, right? yep. Because they they want, they believe that everything is supposed to come to them. Even if in the back of their mind, they're saying that it's not supposed to come to them. Um, a lot of people are thinking that way, honestly, man. So, and I talk to a lot of people, so I know people make excuses. So you started with a first premiere card, you use mm-hmm. that card for marketing, you made some yep. things happen, you here today, right? So, so with that being said, was it an easy transition going from an employee to a business owner uh, back then? Uh, we're talking 10 years ago. You know what? I always had the entrepreneurial mindset, man. My dad, um, if you guys are watching this, he's got the Panamanian flag up there behind me. He's from Panama. And one of the things that he always told me and my brother was, you're here in America, you're here in the States. You got to look at all of the opportunities that you have. Mm. So he would always, you know, just constantly put that in us. So it made our eyes to always be open, you know, to opportunities around us. And my mom, she was from the deep South and she was an entrepreneur. I mean, she was at the time when I was in my, you know, early teens, she had walked off her job. She was making, you know, almost a hundred grand, you know, and this was 30 years ago, you know, at the time as a nurse. 
and she just wanted to open up a youth center and mm-hmm. she started doing that. So I saw the grind. So I got it from both sides. I saw her grind and her hustle starting a business. And I saw my dad who worked in the steel mill, but he always saw opportunities around him. So yes, it was difficult, you know, but at the same time, I'm like, look, he came from another country, got started. She yeah, came from the deep South, Jim Crow South and started, you know, a business. I can do it too. This is just, I have to work my story just like they work their story. So, I mean, kind of, kind of go around it, man. Uh, Jamel, when I got here, I started going to the courthouse steps. Didn't know right nobody away. Right, right away. away. Right? I went to the courthouse steps because I'm like, if these people are buying properties, cash, this where the money at. Yeah. Why not go where the money at? So I went and I was just networking, meeting people, man, meeting people, because I was like, if I get a deal, I need to know where to dispo that deal, who to give it to and started build, you know, getting cards. And I would call these people. Hey, I'm trying to learn, you know, naturally everybody's like, yeah, well, you need to do this, 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 you know, you wouldn't hear from them anymore. But I started that that small little campaign, man, and did everything wrong. Jamel, I got a property under contract at market value and mm. was shopping. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that probably wasn't a wholesale deal. But um, right. You know, so so let me ask you this. And so obviously you had some type of entrepreneurial background. Did you have a business before you started the real estate business or did you come directly from, let's say, corporate? I don't know if you were in corporate America or not, but right. did you come directly from a job into entrepreneurial uh, and entrepreneurship? Uh, no, or, no, no. Actually, actually, what the transition took place. So because I started seeing all of these opportunities around me, my mom, she was building her business up grassroots. I mean, when I say grassroots, I started working with her right out of college, you know, and it was like two, three months, we wouldn't get a paycheck because we had to make sure, you know, you understood. Yeah. Yeah. The little three or four employees that we had, we had to make sure they get a paycheck. And I was, dude, I was living in a house, man, that we had. And uh, and this is a true storage mail. And this, this, this will let you guys know where I come from. I came in the house one day, man, and um, was going in the refrigerator and I heard some some ruffling, you know, around the garbage can. So I'm like, all right, OK, it might be a mouse. You know, OK, it's a mouse. I put out a mouse trap. Man, it was a possum in the oh, crib. Wow. Yeah. A possum in the house, man. After that, I was like, you know what? I got to do something different. Oh, yeah. I have to do something different, man, because I'm like, I'm in here. I'm living with animals. I might as well be outside. Yeah. You know, so. um. I understood the sacrifice and the struggle it took to build a business. So it was like, I just got to get out there and I just got to grind and make it happen, man. And I know a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people hear that, but they don't know exactly what that means, man. Man, let me tell you this, bro. A lot of people, they know that they understand that, but I think a lot of people don't want to go through that time period in order to be able to build their business up. A lot of people, I think people are fearful of, losing or feel like they're going to lose something or feel like they're going to go through that struggle in order to be able to get to the success. But I, I got, I'm going to tell you guys like this, anything that's, that's worth working for, how that saying go, anything that's worth working for, um, anything that's worth having, it's worth working for. Working right. For, yep. So at the end of the day, you have to prepare yourself. You have to go through 
that time period where you're building your business and it's, it's going to be hard. I tell you guys this all the time on my channel. I'm, this is not new. This is not rocket science at all. I tell you guys, if you get into a car and you're, you start the car, you got the vehicle, which is real estate investing. You got yourself as the operator of the vehicle. But if you get into the car, you drop down street number one and there's a, hurt, there's a uh, roadblock, are you just going to stop and give up? You have a destination to get to. Yep. Are you going to turn back around and go home? Probably not, right? If you really want it bad enough. Yep. Then you go down street number two and there's another roadblock. Are you going to stop? No. What if you go down street number three and it's a clear path? Now you got the, the, the roadway to your destination. So just understand, starting a business is going to take hurdles. You're going to have to jump over. You're going to have bumps and bruises. You're going to get beat up, have a few mm -hmm. black guys. But you have to go through that time period in order to be, think about it like a boxer, right? A boxer is, you know, they have to build their body up. They have to uh, get used to getting hit in order to become a champion, right? Yep. If, yep. if you train yourself, if, you, if you're willing to go through the fight, if you're willing to get beat up and bruised and battered to be able to build your body up, build yourself up in order to be able to uh, win that championship, yeah. then it was worth going through that, through that trial, through that period in your life. Same thing with the business. You're going to get beat up. Right. Yep. But you got to stay in the game. Don't give up. It took me 13 months to get my first check. How long did it take for you? Marcus? It took me 10, 10 months to get a check. Months. Most yep. people would give up. Right. Yep. Most people would give up. So what type of mindset shift? We're, we're teaching you guys mindset right now. What type of mindset shift did it take for you, man? Man, you know what, um, Jamil? It, it took quite a bit. You know, I mean, every morning I was up at five o'clock, man, from five to six, it was just, I would pray, meditate, and I would listen to something positive because throughout the day, it really wasn't nobody else that was beating me up. It was me beating my own self up. Mm. You know, it was like, look at you, look at these other, all of these other people on YouTube, they doing it, they making money, they showing checks. What's wrong with you? You can't figure this out. What's wrong? You stupid or something, you know, stuff like that. So I had to counteract all of that, that negative self-talk, you know, by building myself up with something positive, man. And, mm. and I would look at every little positive thing that happened during that day. And I would celebrate it. If it was something small, man, if I got on a, on a phone call and I talked with the seller, you know, for 20 minutes, even if it didn't produce a deal, I'm honing that craft. I'm working that skill, you know, things like that. I'm building sharpening that, that sword. Yeah. And building that confidence, man. So that's what I use to really build myself, man, to, to get me where I needed to go. And like you said, you got to be able to weather the storms because yep. they going to come, yep. you know, no Absolutely. matter if you broke busted and disgusted or if you on the top of the hill it's gonna be some storms that you had to weather yeah and, and just so you guys just so you know again we're prepping you mentally for what we're going to talk about today but just so you guys understand what we're you know we're, we're providing you with mindset information right now right most people and you hear this from the real estate gurus all the time most people you know are taught that you can make money in real estate in 30 days yes that is definitely possible, yep. right? I have students that do it all the time. Most people will not make money in 30 days. Yep. You have to build up that 
you know, you have to build up the skills. You got to know how to talk to people. You got to know several things in order for you to be able to go from where you are to where you want to go. If you come into the business with certain skills, then obviously that's going to speed things up, right? right? Same thing with time and money. If you have more money to invest into your business, you're going to speed things up. If you have more time, it's going to take you a little longer, right? So we're just prepping you guys mentally because right. real estate is not easy, but real estate is worth building to be able to change not only your life, but your family's life and everybody else, you know, as well. And honestly, if you don't build a real estate business, if you don't start some type of business for yourself, for yourself and your family, you're being selfish. I'm just being honest with you. If you don't do something different than what you're currently doing, you're being selfish. Mm -hmm. Build up your business because this will absolutely change your life. All right. So absolutely. Virtual wholesaling, man. Uh, Let's talk about that. What is virtual wholesaling? So virtual wholesaling basically is you may live in one state or and live in one region and you're marketing, you're wholesaling, you're, you're reaching out to sellers in another state to try and find deals. And that's basically what I've been doing for the past four or five years now. I'm here in Arizona and we market to other states to try and find deals. We have um, students that go out and try and find deals and bring them to us and we reposition those deals either we use them as rentals flips or we just wholesale them out man so it's simple enough you live in one state and you're trying to find deals in another state or if you live in the same state maybe four five six hours away and you're still doing deals there so what's the biggest obstacle when it comes to virtual wholesaling man the biggest obstacle really is knowing the landscape of that new market so if you've never like me, I've never been to um, I've never been to Kansas City, mm-hmm. never been to Kansas City. So it's learning that landscape, you know, hey, what parts of Kansas City are good parts? What parts are bad parts? What parts, you know, are strictly rental par- uh, parts? What parts are good for fixing and flipping? But all of that education, man, you can find it online by doing just some some simple due diligence, you know, with with some key websites. One of the websites that I use quite a bit, you know, is just the U.S. Postal Service. Mm -hmm. It lets you know, hey, these are the crime stats. You know, these are the uh, demographics of the neighborhoods, everything like that. This is the median household income. And that way you can kind of target, okay, what areas we need to be in. So what what are some of the demographics that you look for? Man, we look for median household income. So we're looking for, you know, a household under 100K. especially when we're going into a new market, because we don't want to go looking at four or $500,000 houses and we don't know that market. So we're going to start grassroots on a, on a lower level. So we're looking at, you know, median income under $100,000. We'll pull credit scores under 700. So we're looking at um, many, we, we're looking for problems. Mm-hmm. And by pulling those certain demographics, we're trying to find those problems. And we're trying to find people, you know, that have, three or four kids under hundred K with a, with a lower credit score that own a property that have, you know, 80% LTV, 80% loan of value. Gotcha. So they got some equity in there and they may have some situations that we can work with them, you know, in order to get the property. And that'll help you qualify your market the right way. Right. So yep. um, when you build up 
you know, I know we have a certain strategy that we use, but when you build up your business, are you looking to cap out at a certain amount of deals before you move into another market? Not really. We kind of look at um, how our marketing, the return dollars on our marketing, Mm -hmm. because you have a lot of these gurus that come around, come through town, they're going to make their pitch and everything like that. So now you have a whole lot of newbies or you know, even some of those gurus stick around and they want to work that market. So our right. marketing dollars may tank. So what we will do is say, okay, marketing dollars dipped a little bit. We're going to keep marketing in this area, but we're going to shift some of our money to a different area. Mm-hmm. So now we're working multiple, multiple landscapes. And then when that trend is over with in that city, then we could deploy more cash back into that market. Gotcha. So what, what's usually a good dollar for dollar turnaround for you guys so before we were like man we were eight to one for every dollar we put out we was getting eight dollars back now it's more so like one to three one to three okay so for every dollar you spend you want at least three dollars back three dollars in return correct got you got you man and that's what's so what when you deploy your marketing in a new market what are you starting off with like what marketing method cold calling Primarily. Oh, yep. Because it's, it's, man. it's affordable. Yep. You know, so we'll do a cold call campaign. We'll start with that and then we'll follow it up with like a text message or an RVM. Man, that is, listen, listen here, guys, I do the same exact thing. We start off cold calling in every single market and we'll follow up with a text message campaign afterward. I'm telling you right now, if you, you want to Get started with virtual investing, virtual wholesaling, virtual whatever. Start with some phone calls. It's not going to, you go direct to the seller. It's not going to cost you a lot of money. And at the end of the day, it'll help you to qualify your market relatively quickly. Now, us, we look to build up our our, uh, deal flow to at least five deals per market. And then we'll move move into a a new market. Are you doing about the same? No, we, we, we basically looking at that three to one, ratio. three to one. Yeah. Okay. So even if it's, even if it's one deal, so even month, if you did 10 deals or one deal, like you said, you're still going right. to, right. Right. And if we're, we're still getting that three to one return, then we're fine in that market. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. Um, but yeah, sometimes you get up to that number, you know, five, six, seven deals a month in the market, then you want to shift and you want to pivot. You still mm-hmm. want to keep something going on in that market because it's still good money there. Right. You just want to kind of deploy that capital elsewhere. Exactly, man. So why don't we provide our listeners with a step-by-step process on how they could start with virtual wholesaling? So what's step number one? Man, identify the market you want to go into. So mm-hmm. you can do that um, easily by going to like the U.S. Postal. I think it's USPS.com and they have like all of the demographics uh, across the country. So mm-hmm. like I said, and I'm giving you exactly what we do and we're going in there and we're looking in that market, in that, that state, we're going to look at what are the, what are the major cities? Let's just say Indianapolis. So we're going to look at Indianapolis. What are the areas that's going to give us that where the median income is hundred K and below, um, Naturally, the demographics, it's a mixed demographics, African-Americans, you know, Latinos, Caucasians. And we're going to look at the employment stats. You know, if it's 50 percent of the people are employed, 50 percent are unemployed. Sometimes you 
that's going to be more of a rental market. But you have a lot of those landlords, too, that want to sell. So those are three key criteria that we look for when we're going into a new market. Job availability as well. Yep. Yep. So job availability, median income um, and racial demographics. That's right. Okay. So those three are the, are the key things that we're going to look for. Once we identify that, then we're going to start by pulling the list. So we use, we use a couple of different sources. Like we use Rebo Gateway. You can use mm-hmm. list source. We still use list source somewhat. And then prop stream, you're going to pull, pull that list. So what we use to pull lists, um, again, we're looking for an equity position in the house. So when we pull in that list, that's the first thing we're looking for. We don't care if it's, you know, well, when we're in a new market, we, we trying to keep it below and it's hard with the rising values. We try and keep it below 300,000 and below. Gotcha. So got it. 50%, okay. 50% equity position or greater, uh, values 300 K or lower. Simple. Got it. And then once we pull that list, we skip tracing it through batch skip tracing.io. Now we got our numbers and we use um, Zencall as our dialer to do all of our dialing. Okay. Yeah, we we use, um, I use ListSource, uh, I use Realtor.com, I use Zillow, and I use um, uh, ListSource to basically pull active zip codes. Okay. Right? So... I use those three sites to verify my market. Then what I do is I'll use my software, Investor Deal Pro, to pull my lists, and then I'll skip trades inside Investor Deal Pro, and I'll deploy the market. Man, we use Mojo Dialer to okay. uh, do all of our to deploy our uh, uh, phone calls. Cold calls, so, okay. exa- exactly. So, um, and then I have my business called Contract Hunters, um, where you know, actually have a team of virtual assistants that call for people, um, mm-hmm. real estate investors called the contract hunters.com. Okay. And they only, all we do is get deals. We acquire deals. We hunt for contracts through cold calling and text messaging. Um, so okay. I use my similar, own service. Similar. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I use That's my good. own service. Yep. But, um, so once you pull the list, and you start making the phone calls, how many calls are you usually making before you can turn over a deal? What exactly are you looking for? What are some of the numbers? So some of the numbers, I mean, right now we're like one of our markets. We are, let me think right off the top of my head, because we're, we're doing about 400 calls a day. Mm-hmm. Um, those 400 calls, I'll, I'll look at just this morning. Our girl, she started for four hours she made what was it 200 calls and we got six we got six opportunities out of those 200 calls now nice out of those out of those six then our acquisitions manager he gets on the phone and call those people to see if it's really going to turn into an appointment got you or a deal you know um so yeah so our vas they're they're just calling calling continuously we know right now for every deal is taking us about 84 yeses to mm. get to get one deal. And on average, those deals are about 15 to 18 K per deal. 84 yeses, huh? Yep. Okay. So basically at the end of the day, you guys are making uh, about 400 calls a day mm-hmm. um, in different markets. 
Um, you qualify them to get 84 yeses, meaning um, not 84 yeah. offers, 84 right. people who actually want to sell. Right, right. So and, that four- yes, and that yes may be, yeah, I'm interested in selling. Um, you're going to get some people that say, yeah, I want a million bucks for the house. Well, we don't <laughs> consider that to be a yes. You right. Know, that's just somebody, somebody that's reasonable. Right, right, right. So eight, so 400 calls per day. How many, how many calls are you making to get to those 84 yeses? So over, over the life of that campaign to get those 84 yeses, it was about 15,000 calls. No, okay. it's about 55,000 calls. I'm sorry. Okay. So 55,000 calls, 84 yeses. How many offers out of those 84 yeses? Out of those, out of those 84, we'll probably put in probably about 16 offers, 16 offers. And then yep. you get one contract. Got it. Right. Yeah. That makes yep. sense, man. So 55,000 calls to get. So usually it's taking you, let me just get my calculator real quick. It's going to take you 400 calls a day. It's going to take you 55,000 calls divided by 400, about 137 days to get right about 137 and a half days to get um, the one get, deal, get that, that one deal. Right. So got you. Oh, that's why we, that's why we have multiple. That's why you no open it up. To, got yep. you. Yeah. We do about 2000 calls a day um, okay. across the board. It takes us about 15,000 phone calls to get, you know, one deal pretty much. Man. Good, so, good. I mean, that's just stepping into different, you know, markets and stuff like right. that. Man. Um, and, that's yeah, what man. I, and, and that's one of the things that I tell people, I say, you know, every market, is different. Like here in Phoenix, man, this market is prices are so elevated and things are moving so fast to where, mm-hmm. you know, we have people out that's finding deals for us where we can lock, lock them up almost at retail mm-hmm. and still be able to move them because yep. we have a lot of, you know, a lot of hedge funds like, seller like they financing. Have yep. yeah, seller finance and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, we working to hone our skills and get better. You know, some of our, yeah, man. some of our callers are new. So we working with them, training them up things like that. The good thing about, and what we just discussed just for you guys watching, it's called KPIs. Those are called key performance indicators. I actually have a video up on YouTube. I'll pop it up in the, in the, uh, the, the, the uh, video tags for you guys. Um, the cards up at the top, make sure you watch that video to get a clear understanding of what KPIs are key yep. performance indicators. So those are the, the numbers that make up, uh, the, the deals that's going to lead to the money. Once you understand those numbers, now you can scale because you know what it's going to take for you to get a deal consistently, right? You can scale the business. And that's exactly what Marcus is doing. He, he takes one concept. He, he uh, finds out what the numbers are that he deploys in another market. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So is virtual wholesaling as difficult as people make it seem to be? You know what? It's, it's, it can be challenging. Um, the reason being is because you have the different laws in different mm-hmm. states. So like with uh, Illinois, one of the states that we use now, they have the law where you have to be a licensed agent in order to wholesale. So that was definitely a roadblock that we had to overcome. So we had to go and get licensed, you know, in order to keep doing deals in that market. And then also the difference between that market and Phoenix. Well, here we can go direct to seller you know, work out the contract, send the money to the title company and close everything. Well, there they do a, use a lot of attorneys. It's an attorney mm-hmm. state. So 
attorneys want to prep everything. And what one of the things that we have run into is we will have a verbal agreement with the seller. Okay. And everything is ready to go. Send over the contract. We send the contract over to the attorney. Their attorney may say, Hey, you know what? You can get more for this property. I know somebody, I know an investor that'll probably give you 10 grand more. Right. So, so you run into situations like that. I mean, we have come across that quite a bit, you know, in that market. And it's like, you know, and people always want to lean to the advice of their, of their counsel, which mm-hmm. they should. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you have, when you have an agreement and then that person kind of backs out of that agreement because they got counsel, it makes it a little bit different, but each market is different. It's not difficult. You just have to have the right plan in place in order to do it. So one of the things that I always tell people, if you're going into a virtual market and this is your first time, try and find somebody there that you know. It may be someplace that you used to boots live on before. Ground. Yeah, you got to have boots on the ground, a family member, friend, you know, an old college buddy, something like that. That way they can go and walk those properties for you and everything like that. But now, uh, Jamel, just to let you know, now a lot of the sellers are willing to take the pictures and send them to you and everything like yep. that. So sometimes you don't even have to walk those properties. What I do is I, I send notaries out as well, man. Notaries always mm-hmm. want to make some extra money. So you can send the notary to get the, um, well, we use DocuSign to, yep. um, to, to sign the contracts and sign the agreements. But yep. you can send a notary out to get, let's just use it as an excuse to get the contract you know, notarized with your authorization and stuff like that. And then while they're there, they can take pictures or you can just send a notary just to take pictures. Just say, hey, Mm -hmm. I'll pay you 50 bucks to go take pictures at his house, you know, and put a lockbox on a property. So you want to have some type of boots on ground. Um, uh, It's not necessary all the time, but it's definitely going to help out with the process, building a small team where, where you're looking to deploy uh, your, your marketing efforts and, and be able to turn these virtual deals over. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's really having that team in place in that market. So you want to make sure, you know, you know, what title company to, to work with, you know, if it's an attorney state, what attorney that's going to produce all of the documents for you, right. you know, making sure you got some buyers or know people that you can JV with buyers that's in that market, stuff like that. So it was really building that team. That's right, man. So, you know, obviously, it's, it starts with knowing what market you want to go into. So how do you find your markets? First off, like, how do you, like, there's a lot of different markets. There's a lot of, when we say market, by the way, we're talking about different cities, different areas that you want to invest mm-hmm. in. So how do you find the areas that you want to invest in? Do you just get up one day and say, Hey, I want to invest in Birmingham today or no, no. It, it kind of goes back to that research. So got you. I do a lot of networking, go to a lot of places. And, you know, I may hear some, somebody may say, like you said, Birmingham, you know, Hey, Birmingham is a pretty good market. You know, you yep. might want to check that out. So then we'll, that will start our process. Okay. Let's look at the demographics in, in Birmingham. You know, what's the number of homeowners, things like that. And then it goes back to, you know, the, the, those demographics, hey, racial demographics, age demographics, financial demographics, you know, and everything like that. So kind of what we talked about before, that's when we would start start that whole process. Yeah. So one thing that you could do is pick some of the uh, mid-sized cities yep, in, true. 
in a different state, right? Or mm-hmm. even a mid-sized city that's not too far from you. Um, I'm talking to the guys watching this. Yep. You know, um, pick a mid-sized city and start there. You know, a mid-sized mm-hmm. city is going to be easier than a city like Phoenix or a city yep. like Charlotte or New York. Um, they're not being uh, bombarded as much with marketing, but they're still effective cities with a, with a big enough population to be able to um, make a lot of money in those markets. So look at cities like that, mid-sized cities that will um, allow you to build up your business. So and, you might, uh-huh. And Jamel, like those suburbs of those cities. So, you know, here in Phoenix, you know, we have Chandler, Gilbert, Mesa, right. Uh, those Queen Mesa, Creek. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to look at those smaller cities. That's, that's really still part of that major city Metro, but you know, it's a smaller city. So that's a great way to get started for you guys. That's listening. Right. Those are those smaller cities, mid-sized cities. I started off in Brooklyn, New York, and I was investing in Reading, Pennsylvania while I was living in Brooklyn. It was a two hour difference. Right. Mm-hmm. Then I decided to move to Reading, Pennsylvania under 100,000. Pe- now you probably have 150, 120,000 people there. But when I was there, it was only 80,000 people. Right. Small okay. city. And I upgraded to Greensboro, North Carolina, which is a, a, a mid-sized to large area, right? Mid-sized mm-hmm. city, uh, about 300,000 people. So I found that mid-sized cities are much more effective than yep. the smaller cities. And they're much more effective than the larger cities the as large well, cities. because you have less competition. You still got enough property, still enough people, enough, uh, mm-hmm. enough money in those markets to be able to do business. Um, so, yeah, start off with a mid-sized city, right? Pull a list, like Marcus was saying. Once you pull a list, go at it, right? Skip trace and cold call that list and be consistent. You're not going to get a deal. And some people will. You know, some people will get a deal in their first week. Most people won't, right? If you just stay consistent, I'm telling you, I promise you, the checks will come. You just got to- True. True. Be willing to put in put in the work and and the money will will follow. Trust me. All right. So so we're talking about virtual wholesaling today with my man Marcus Maloney. Obviously, there's a lot to cover when it comes to virtual wholesaling. Now you have some content on your YouTube channel as well. Uh, you yes. want to provide our listeners with that uh, YouTube channel? Sure. It's uh, MRCS Maloney M A L O N E Y. So it's Marcus without the vowels. Uh, Maloney, M-A-L-O-N-E-Y. And then that's the same for Instagram, Facebook. And then the we talk a lot about it. Like we just had you, Jamel, on our podcast. We love Equity Real Estate Show. So we talk quite a bit about virtual wholesaling, wholesaling, fixing and flipping also. So that's that's good free content for you as well. Absolutely, man. Check all of those out. I'm going to leave all of that in the uh, description box below so you guys can can definitely check those out. Um, Marcus's podcast is dope, guys. You gotta listen to the podcast. Um, thank you, sir. Thank definitely you. verified podcast, man. Uh, for real estate investors, for sure. So definitely uh, check that out. Check out his YouTube page as well. Now, all smart people read books. Um, I'm not an avid reader. I can't. So that goes to tell you that I'm not too smart. 
I'm lying to you. I'm smart. <laughs> but I, I listen to books. I like Audible, right? So mm-hmm. I listen to books. Um, same thing. I, I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm an, I'm an audio learner over a visual, uh, a reader. Okay. I got to see things and I got to listen to things in order for me to be able to pick it up. Or I got to do things. That's probably my, my best trait. I can, I can do something and figure it out as I go on. Right. So in regards to books or, you know, we're talking about audible, we're talking about books itself. What books helped you on your way to success, man? Man, one of the I I got it right here, actually, Uh, outside of the Bible, man. um, One of my good books is called The Alchemist, Uh, just talking about that journey of. You know, just making sure you get there. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of the roadblocks that you that you have to go over in order to get there. I mean, The Power of Broke by Damon John. Love it, man. It's a good book, oh, man. man. Um, that I love one, that really, book. Yeah, it really puts, puts some things on you, make you think. Um, you know, and then outside of anything by Napoleon Hill, um, John Maxwell, as far as leadership and stuff like that, man. But tons of books, man. I'm always reading. Um, I was telling you. Broke outliers <laughs> yeah let me let me let me show you something real quick what's up you, I got... this is all john maxwell stuff right here dude yeah man that... john john <laughs> maxwell i started reading john maxwell in the late 90s 99 2000 mm-hmm. stuff like that because that's when i really started getting yeah you got you got the little collection there yeah. That's when I really started getting into, you know, the leadership development, personal development, making sure I was on the right track, man, because I was a knucklehead when I was when I was younger, mm. you know, running the streets, everything like that. So I understood, you know, the impact of having a community around you, but I didn't know how to lead that community effectively. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what a lot of his books helped me with. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I was in the same boat, man. I was a knucklehead running around New York City, man. Yeah. But uh, I'm happy to be here today. You know, <laughs> it's a blessing, man. You know, and a lot of people don't understand that it's a blessing. Sometimes you think about, you know, some of the things that you have to overcome to get where you are. Not to say that you're fully developed, but we're, we got it. We got to appreciate where we are right now, mm-hmm. you know, because on, I mean, on my 25th, 25th birthday, man, I was I wasn't expected to make it. I was mm. in the hospital, dude. My one of my closest friends stabbed me mm-hmm. with like a 16 16 inch i don't even want to say it was a knife it was like a machete yeah, you know I've so stabbed, I, i've been stabbed right here in my shoulder <laughs> yeah so it was i mean i got a, i got a zipper from here from the back of here all the way to here man and it, it, it just helped me understand that life is good man god is good because if it some of those things if i didn't go through them i wouldn't understand how to persevere and get to where you need to go, man. So I, I, I like to share that stuff with people and, and let them know that everybody got a story, you know, and just because you have a story don't mean that you need to stop. That's right. You just got to keep going, man. It's just a part, part of the journey. I don't think I ever told anybody that before. Only person I really know I got stabbed in my shoulder was my wife, man. I never shared that before online. You know, but these podcasts allow allow people to get to know you, allow you to speak freely and allow you to help people along the way as well. So we all come from different backgrounds, 
we all have a, a different story, like Marcus was saying, but that doesn't stop you or deter you from becoming who you truly want to be, uh, especially when it comes to business and investing. Uh, and that's why we have this business and investing podcast for sure. But uh, yeah, definitely check out those those books that we just spoke about. And you guys are definitely going to benefit from that. I'm going to make sure I leave all that in the uh, description box for you guys as well. If you're watching this on YouTube, definitely check it out. If you're listening on a podcast, any podcast platform, check it out in the description box of the podcast. Quick question for you, man. Um, I know we're running out of time right now, but Mm -hmm. if you had to provide our listeners with some last words of advice, what would those words be? Man, it's possible. You know, I I just want to start right there. It is possible. You wouldn't have that thought. You wouldn't have that dream if it wasn't possible for you, you know, because if you had that thought, that means that there's something in that thought for you to accomplish. So I just want everybody that's listening. I want you guys to take away all of those self-limiting beliefs, you know, just, just hone your skill, work at it. If you want to own 400 units, it's possible. There's Mm -hmm. people out here that own 400 units. You know, if you want to fix and flip two houses a month, it's possible. Whatever you want to do, the possibility is out there, man. You just got to find a person that's already doing what you want to do, connect with them. And I don't mean it always have to be mentorship. You can find somebody on YouTube like Jamel. Just keep following. You're going to start picking up nuggets. You're going to get inspired. You're going to start taking action. And then that action begins to snowball and you start to gain traction. And then that traction, you'll look back, you know, five, 10 years from now and be like, man, you know what? If I started, if I didn't start on this one day, where would I be? I wouldn't mm. be right here. That's you know? right. So just remember, guys, it's definitely possible. Absolutely, man. Couldn't have said it better myself. Marcus Maloney, check out his podcast. We love equity real estate. Check out his YouTube page. I'm going to link all that in the description box for you guys so you can uh, definitely connect with him. It has been a pleasure, my brother, and uh, looking forward to having you again in the near future. I know you guys benefited from today's call. We went into mindset. We went into virtual wholesaling. We went into KPIs and what it's going to take for you to really become a successful investor, right? All you got to do is take this information and rather than just hearing it and letting it go out the other ear, apply the information. Smart people apply, right? And that's how you're going to get from where you are to where you want to go. Listen, guys, we really appreciate you listening to this podcast. Use the nuggets that we talked about today and is, and really show your appreciation by going out there and doing it. Forget about listening. Do. That's what's Absolutely. going to change the game for you. So we appreciate you guys. And I'm going to see you on the next one. Peace. All right. Thank you, guys. Check out my website at reieducationacademy.com. To make it easy, you can just simply go to jamelgibbs.com or check out my YouTube page at youtube.com forward slash jamelgibbs. I'm all over the web, whether it be on Facebook slash the Jamel Gibbs or on Instagram at Jamel Gibbs. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Snapchat. Check out all of these platforms for daily content, weekly content, More content from Jamel 
Gibbs. But if you want to get more in depth, go to REI Education Academy. Dot com and that's how you can find out more about my training material and how you can get started investing in real estate today talk to you later